0: Hi, it's is midland here. Welcome to this edition of the Arsenal Audio Programme.
2: Arsenal vs Liverpool Saturday, April 3rd, 2021 kickoff 8pm The Contents Dear Arsenal Fans The Manager, Mikhail Arteta The Captain, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang Tribute, Tony Adams, voice of Arsenal Academy. Tribute, Paul Davis. Magnificent Seven, Arsenal Women. Tribute, Alan Smith. My story. Match action: West Ham United versus Arsenal. Tribute, Michael Thomas. Visitors: Liverpool. Ben Winston. Tribute Ian Wright and teams. Dear Arsenal fans, we as a family are honoured to be contributing to the programme for this evening's Premier League match against Liverpool to celebrate our Dowd on what is the 20th anniversary of his death. Arsenal was always Dance Club and he had such a special bond with the supporters one that I don't think, as his children, we really knew the full extent of until after his death. Around this time of the year, we are inundated with messages, pictures and memories. It's become very clear to us how much the Arsenal fans loved our dad and what he stood for. What's so special is that much of that affection stems from his personality. He was at Arsenal during a very successful period, including the famous 1989 league victory that came at the expense of today's opponents. He also won another league title, a League Cup. His 14 England caps all came when playing in red and white, and he was twice in the PFA Team of the Year during his time at Highbury. He was an important player for the club under the guidance of George Graham, but off the field is where he seemed to have won the hearts of the fan base just by simple things, such as always signing autographs, making time for people, and treating everyone as equals, values him and our mother have always taught us. Dad had to make it the hard way at Arsenal. He came from a working-class family in South London, and as a teenager he had to travel on his own via public transport to get to training. He was given an opportunity at a young age and grabbed it with both hands, something many of his teammates from that era did, with some of them sharing their memories of him in this programme. Tonight's programme also consists of features with other players that have been handed the Arsenal number no. 7 shirt. It's a number that Dad wore with huge pride, knowing that he was following in the footsteps of other legends such as Liam Brady and Geordie Armstrong. Arsenal versus Liverpool is usually one of the standout Premier League games. We have enjoyed some fantastic victories over them, but in recent years they have certainly been on top since Jurgen Klopp arrived at Anfield. For Ryan, it's a particularly unforgettable fixture because he was the mascot in the 2001 FA Cup final when Liverpool beat Arsenal 2-1 just a couple of months after Dad's death. Here's hoping we can avenge that today, almost 20 years later, with three points. C-O-Y-G Melissa, Ryan and Monique
1: Manager's Notes Mikel Arteta The schedule this season has been crazy that it feels strange not to have a game for this long. But we've been used to the time well, we've been training hard and we are ready for the final two months of the season. The work hasn't stopped over the past two weeks. Far from it. Lots of players have been away playing internationals, but those who have been here have been working. And we've been analysing our recent performances and we've been looking at what we can do better. Our focus has been on this Liverpool game since the end of our last game. Away to West Ham. That was a crazy day. And I have to say, the first half an hour was really disappointing. We just weren't at the races. We didn't win enough challenges, we didn't win enough duels, we were too stretched as a team, we didn't show enough urgency. And when that happens, you get punished. Their first goal was great quality, to be honest, but the other two we conceded were completely unacceptable. Why was it a slow start against West Ham? I don't like us to use excuses. If somebody is not fit to play Thursday to Sunday, he needs to say before the game, I am not fit. Because 1 minute, 1 to 10, I've been there, and you cannot put the blame on tiredness that early. After 60, 70 or 80 minutes, okay, I understand. Because we are human beings. And if that happens at the end, then maybe we would have been closer. To using tiredness as an excuse, but at the start of the game, no. So, we showed a face. We still have those in moments, but, Then after that, after the next 60 minutes, we probably played the best I've ever seen us play, considering the very tough conditions. That's a moment when any team can collapse and start to blame each other. We had bad body language, and then to concede four, five, or six. We did completely the opposite. We reunited. We did exactly what we had to do. We got better, and we got better. And it's a shame, because looking at our chances... We should have scored more. We could have won that game. But it's down to me. It's my responsibility to make sure we approach the game the right way for the full 90 minutes. We have shown that we can reach that level now. We have to stay there all the time. And this is where we are heading. We have to stop giving the opponents anything. Because our last shot that West Ham had, for example, when they hit the post, was a throw-in from where we gave the ball away. And it was that simple. What keeps me awake is why we keep giving things to the opposition, happening too many times. And at this level, you cannot do it because the opponents are far too good and the margins are not that big. For the rest of that performance, though, I was incredibly proud of the team, the way we played, the courage that we showed, how much belief that we had and that we could go on and win that game. And I sense that at half-time. It's not easy, and it shows me as well how far we have come together. We can now work now and we can rest and we are working on it, but I'm worried. I'm worried about the culture or the spirit in the team because we've come so far and I've seen so many positive things to back that up. And I'm saying I'm not worried about that. I am worried, but the levels that we can show within the game, and I think that's where we're still. We're still far from the top teams. That's our challenge today. You know when you play Liverpool, you simply cannot allow these mistakes. They are the champions, they have the quality over the pitch and they hurt you enough without making things easy for them. But also, we should remember how we worked hard to beat them here last year and also in the Community Shield and the Carabao Cup earlier this season. Finally, I want to pass my words of a tribute to the great David Rowcastle. We will always remember Rocky at this time every year. And it doesn't get any easier to think how his life was so tragically taken away when he was so young. He was just 33. But his legacy lives on forever through his family and through the football club. He is part of our history, but also he is part of our present and our future. Because his name and the values that he stood for continue to live within the ethos of the club. And all the young players that come through the system are here and are inspired not only by what he achieved but also how he behaved. He remains a fantastic role model and we will always remember him. We will always be grateful and proud to say that he's a real Arsenal man.
3: Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang It seems like it's been a long time since our last game here at the Emirates and now we are all fired up for the final two months of the season. The last game here was in the Europa League against Olympiakos, and although we lost on the night, that was all about just getting through to the next round. That's what we did in the end, and we deserved it over the two games. Obviously, we'd have liked to get the win at home as well, and I should have scored, but every game is difficult at this stage of the competition. Any opposition can beat you, and we saw some big results in the Europa League in that round. We've got through though, and now we've got a quarter-final to look forward to against Slavia Prague, who have already knocked out some big teams. We worked hard over the two legs against Olympiakos, and I don't know, maybe that's why we had a slow start against West Ham in the next match. We could not get going at all at the start of the game, and in the Premier League, you will always be punished when you play like that. It was so strange, because we had been controlling games well going into that match. We were confident, and we spoke before about dominating the game again, starting well, and not giving the opposition any time or chances. You have to credit West Ham though. They came at us strongly and took advantage of our slow start. They are a very strong side, who are having a good season. But you know with our team, we are always going to show spirit and fight. Even at 3-0, we looked at each other and said, This isn't us. We can do so much better. It's up to us. Then we started to take over. Callum put in some good crosses all afternoon, and Lackers scored a great goal to get us back in the game. I can't believe they said that's an own goal. It should be Lackers, for sure. It was a great goal, and a great time to score, and we could even have got another before half-time. It really lifted us, though because in the changing room at half-time we were all really positive and saying to each other that we can come back, and maybe even win it. And that's what we were thinking of. Callum put in another great cross for the second goal. I was waiting for it behind Dawson, but it doesn't matter how it went in, we just wanted that goal. And then the big man Laka scored a great header from Nico's cross. You saw in the reaction and celebration how pumped up we were. We still had time to win it, but afterwards you have to say we did well to come back from three goals down and get a point. That was our last game, but it seems long ago because a lot of us have been away in the past few days playing for our country. I had a big game for Gabon against DR Congo and was so pleased to be able to help us qualify for the Africa Cup of Nations. We won 3-0 and I got an assist and scored. But really, I'm so proud of how the whole team did. It was a great performance. We knew what we had to do going into the game and we really deserved it. It means we can look forward to going to Cameroon for the finals next year. But now all of us are just thinking about club football for the next couple of months. We've got some really big games coming up. Hopefully we will be playing every few days from now until the end of the season. So we have to be professional. Be prepared, get our rest at the right times and be ready to go on match day. Today's game is obviously a huge one against the defending champions. Liverpool are a team of huge quality, even if they have had a difficult time lately. But that has mainly been at home and I've seen them in a few games lately and they will always be dangerous with the players they have, especially up front. They have proved that for years in the Premier League and we will have to be at our best again today to keep them quiet. The gap is not too big to them, though. We are four points behind, and this is a big opportunity for us to get even closer to them and the other teams above us. We are at home, and we have to be really strong here now for the rest of the season. Finally, I want to finish these notes by talking about David Rowcastle. Everybody at the club knows what a legend he is here, and what he means to all the fans. Whether you're a player who has come through the youth team like he did, or someone like me who arrived later, every player at Arsenal knows about his legacy. I've heard Wrighty talking about his friendship, and about what a great player he was too. For me, I think legacy and remembering legends is a big part of what football should be, and should mean to fans. So I'm really proud that Arsenal continues to remember Rocky like this. It's such a shame that the stadium isn't full today to sing his name but I can tell you that all of us here will be remembering Rocky 20 years after his passing.
2: Tribute, Tony Adams I first met Rocky in around 1980. He was 13 and I was 13. He came from Lewisham and I came from Dagenham. Every Monday and Thursday night we would kick glimpses out of each other behind the clock end, where there was a sports hall that the Arsenal youth team trained in. My development was a little bit quicker than Rocky's. I was a bit taller, although he was tough as old boots, Rock. Rock by name, Rock by nature. He was tough, but sweet, and a tremendous talent. Tactically, he could tackle, pass, dribble and run quickly. He had it all we were very blessed to have him michael thomas paul merson martin kern and dial quinn all from the youth team he was fun in the dressing room always a smile on his face but he was tough on the pitch i remember him having a bit of a fight with a player and i was kind of mediating i was holding him back and whilst i was doing that the opposition player hit him he went ballistic screaming at me let me go skipper I want to get after him. That was Rocky in a nutshell. Super competitive on the field, but an absolute gentleman off it. When he moved over to North London, I was still living in Essex. After matches, when we socialised, he was never a big drinker like me. He didn't take it to an extreme level, although he would occasionally have a cigar and a rum and black. He introduced me to some very interesting swear words and lover's rock, a style of reggae music. I was a little naive boy from Dagenham. I didn't know the music scene in those days. Rocky taught me how to listen to lovers rock. A big difference between me and Rocky was that he got really lucky to meet a good woman like his wife Janet when he was young, and that was certainly the making of him off the pitch. "'I always joked that Rocky found Janet too early "'and that we could have had an even closer relationship. "'She got in the way and stopped me dragging him to town. "'To be honest, I was sick as a dog in those days off the pitch, "'so I'm happy that I couldn't always convince him to go out. "'I didn't have to worry about him as captain. "'He was one of our leaders. "'You need people that support you, "'and I think he was someone I could call upon.' He was one of my disciples. We grew up together, so there was a bond even before we got into the Arsenal team. When you grow up with someone and you've been through some of the things we did as youngsters, your relationship grows ten times stronger. You're like brothers. I didn't have to worry about rock. I am just so grateful I got an opportunity to say goodbye to him. We were playing Aston Villa away. I was injured and in hindsight, I'm so glad I was because it allowed me to go to the hospital and give him a big hug. He died a week or so after that. It was extremely difficult to say goodbye to what was basically a twenty-year relationship. He was courageous to the end, and I have loads of memories, but the emotion of that one has stayed with me. We had so many highs on and off the field, especially at Anfield in 1989 and him coming to my wedding, but that final one of saying goodbye, just me and him, will stay with me forever.
4: Remembering Rocky Wednesday marked the 20th anniversary of the passing of David Rowcastle. It was a day that affected everyone associated with Arsenal Football Club as they remembered a magnificent footballer and a wonderful man, who lost his battle with non-Hodgkin lymphoma at the age of just 33. Fans continued to mourn Rocky, who they held with that special affection, reserved for a player who they have seen progress through the youth ranks to first-team superstardom. But his passing was of course truly devastating for his friends, and particularly his family and in close liaison with his wife, Janet, and children, Melissa, Ryan and Monique, the Arsenal family have come together to not simply mark the anniversary of his death, but to reflect and commit to continue to grow his legacy and educate a new generation of Arsenal fans, staff and players about the player he was and the qualities he embodied. As part of the commitment... Arsenal in the community will annually work with seven young people to be guided and mentored via a leadership program in David Rocastle's name. The seven local youngsters will take part in regular one to one mentoring sessions over a five month period, with the aim of providing the participants with personal development opportunities and positive experiences. The group will be an inspiring lineup of young people who are known to the the Arsenal-in-the-Community family and have a wide range of interests. Our staff will help the young people nurture their talents over this period by providing them with opportunities that are tailored to their needs. The seven mentees, our very own Rocky Seven, will also spend time as a group developing a community event for local young people which will celebrate Rocky's legacy. David is an Arsenal legend on the pitch, but meant so much more of it. His values of humility, class and hard work will form the basis of this programme and be key ingredients which will contribute to the success of the young people. Today's programme As you will have discovered from the introductory page of this programme, the Rowcastle family have been instrumental in the production of today's issue, speaking to David's former teammates who are all family friends for their tributes, selecting some of their favourite imagery of David and helping the editorial team forge ideas for other features. The club has been producing matchday programmes since our very early years when we were based in Woolwich, not far from David's Manor of Brockley and it's highly unusual to dedicate an entire matchday issue to a single theme. But Rocky was a unique character, with a special place in our hearts, and it's been a privilege for all those involved in the programme to be able to be a part of this extraordinary production. We are proud to announce this year's intake of mentees. Angie Angie has been involved with our girls' football programme for six years. Initially starting with us when she was in secondary school, Angie is now studying football management at university and dreams to be a professional football manager in the future. Angie is passionate about the role that football plays in supporting communities and is currently gaining experience as a youth football coach. Through this programme, Angie hopes to gain more football coaching experience and gain a deeper insight into both the professional game and community sport. Jesse Jesse has attended our weekly Football Plus sessions at Highgate Wood since the age of eight. Prior to joining the programme, he also attended our half time holiday courses, including a residential course. A valued member of our junior community team that plays in the Regent's Park Youth League on Saturday mornings, where he has played in a number of positions. Jesse is passionate about football and has recently chosen to study physical education as part of his GCSEs at school. He is also part of a sports coaching enrichment program at school. Quiet by nature, Jesse is a very hard-working team player who always tries to further develop existing skills as well as acquire new ones. He is keen to gain an insight into the day-to-day life at Arsenal Football Club and learn more about football coaching. Don't miss Righty and Packayo. Today's programme features a magnificent sevens feature, looking at the very special talents that have worn the number seven shirt for the Gunners. Not least David Rocastle, of course. Awarded that special shirt at the start of the current season, Bukayo Saka has made a huge impression since, like Rocky, graduating from the youth team as a 17 year old. Ian Wright was keen to let Bukayo know all about Rocky, and the Arsenal media team were on hand to film Wrighty telling Bukayo all about his former teammate and lifelong friend. It's a fantastic watch. Make sure you find it on our YouTube and social media channels. And not forgetting, Arsenal Independent Supporters Association, AISA, held a special Zoom event on Monday night to reminisce about Rocky, with some very special guests. Former teammate and great friend Alan Smith was in attendance, as were Bob Wilson, Brendan Batson and Tom Watt, as well as David's three children, Melissa, Ryan and Monique. The Roecastle family were also heavily involved in Amy Lawrence's excellent tribute to Rocky in The Athletic, available online. And it's also worth checking out 442's six-page special on Rocky II. Just a couple of the many tributes in the national media over the course of the last week. Brett Brett has been involved with Arsenal in the community programmes for four years. A keen goalkeeper, he found his place straight away, going on to represent Arsenal in the community groups at numerous events around the country, including at a Premier League event at the Manchester City training ground and visiting Old Trafford for the International Day of Disabled People. Prior to lockdown, Brett took the decision to pursue his interest in the medical field by enrolling as a matchday volunteer with St John's Ambulance. Getting a thank you and good luck from Arsenal's number one, Bent Lino. Through his volunteering with St. John's Ambulance, Brett has been one of the few people permitted at the Emirates this season, on hand for emergencies. Through this program, Brett hopes to gain a deeper understanding of medical practices within sport. Naylor Naylor is a participant on the Arsenal Gap program having joined us last year to pursue a career in football coaching. Nayla has gained experience of coaching in local primary schools, estates and parks. Although Nayla's experience so far has been disrupted due to COVID and the restrictions around grassroots football, she is determined to develop her community coaching career further nayla is passionate about working with young people who may have low self-confidence and particularly those who face barriers to taking part in sport having faced challenges herself when beginning her journey in football nayla is interested in how we can encourage more girls from diverse communities to take part in sport glenn glenn is 20 years old and has been known to Arsenal in the community over many years, and taken part in numerous programmes. His first involvement was as a participant on the Kicks programme at Elthorne Park, before taking part in Premier League Enterprise and Works programmes. During his time on the programmes, Glenn took part in a number of social action activities to support the local community. Glenn is now receiving support from Arsenal in the community to prepare and search for employment opportunities. He is a huge Arsenal fan and enjoys playing football and watching Arsenal matches. Tyler Tyler joined our Football Plus programme at the age of 16, recommended by a friend and former participant, with the aim of helping to enhance his awareness in football and gain coaching experience. After four years on the programme, Tyler has played a key role in the group, representing the programme in many ways, not just on the field of play but also on a cultural exchange trip to Cologne and being part of a youth leaders' group which has been set up to ensure that the participants' voices are heard and help shape the project. Tyler is passionate about sports and particularly sports choreography. He has had opportunities to take part in commercial campaigns and photo shoots previously and now hopes to gain more experience in this field. Tyler also plays football and is challenging himself to reach the highest level he can whilst pursuing personal development opportunities off the pitch. Sidula, Sidula is 20 years old and has been a participant on our Kicks programme for the past six years, taking part in activity sessions in Camden. Sidula has also been a part of our Sunday League football team, where he won league and cup winners' medals. He also stands out as an individual, having been voted Player's Player of the Year by his teammates, as well as being voted Clubman of the Year by the manager. Sedula is currently attending college, where he is studying accountancy, and after completing his studies, hopes to move into a position in the accountancy profession. Through this program, Sedula hopes to increase his knowledge of finances within football and gain practical work experience in this field. Voice of Arsenal Mikel's Half Century This is Mikel Arteta's 50th Premier League game in charge of the club. His first was a 1-1 draw with Bournemouth on Boxing Day 2019. His record for the 49 games so far reads W 49 W 21 D 12 L 16 F 72 A 53 PTS 75 He is the fourth different manager to reach a half-century of Premier League games for us, following George Graham, Arsene Wenger and Unai Emery. It is the third time he's taken charge of a league match against Liverpool, with one win and one defeat from the previous two meetings. Season 2021-22 the Premier League recently confirmed that season 2021-22 will commence on the weekend of August 14th, 2021. The final match round of the campaign will take place on May 22nd, 2022, when all games will kick off simultaneously. Happy Passover! Arsenal Football Club would like to wish our many Jewish supporters Chag Sameach as they celebrate the penultimate day of Passover. The festival will have been difficult for many due to coronavirus restrictions, but we hope the recent lifting of regulations allowed some families to celebrate together. Vote for Soap We would like to congratulate lifelong gooner Soap Dirisu on his nomination for the prestigious EE Rising Star at this year's British Academy of Film and Television Awards, BAFTAs. Soap has quickly established himself as an internationally renowned actor, showcasing a range of disciplines across film, television and theatre. Dirisu can currently be seen on Netflix in Remy Weeks' horror thriller His House, which earned him Critics' Choice Super, and BIFA Award nominations for Best Actor and in the Sky series, Gangs of London. The history of the EE Rising Star Award is full of such exceptional and inspirational talents, and I'm so grateful to both EE and BAFTA for considering me amongst them, commented Durizu. I'm properly delighted for all my fellow nominees for being recognised in what can only be described as a difficult and challenging year for everyone across the world. The EE e. Rising Star Award celebrates new and up-and-coming talent within the film industry. It is also the only category at the BAFTAs that is voted for by the public. Supporters can vote for Soap by visiting www.ee.co.uk slash y hyphen ee slash ee BAFTAs slash Rising-Star-Nominees hyphen, hyphen, Arsenal-ITK Arsenal won this fixture 2-1 last season and we are looking to beat Liverpool in consecutive home league games for the first time since April 2015. Liverpool have won just two of their last 20 Premier League away games against Arsenal. D9-L9 winning 2-0 in August 2011 and 4-3 in August 2016. Arsenal versus Liverpool has seen more hat-tricks scored than any other Premier League fixture, 6, with Thierry Henry and André Archevin scoring for Arsenal, and Robbie Fowler, times 2 Peter Crouch and Roberto Firmino netting for Liverpool. Alexandre Lacazette has scored in each of Arsenal's last two Premier League games against Liverpool. The last player to score in three consecutive league games against the Reds for the Gunners was Robert Pires between January 2003 and April 2004. Stop online abuse. #StopOnlineAbuse. Stop online abuse campaign. Last week, the club launched a hashtag Stop Online Abuse Plan to ensure we are fulfilling our responsibility to protect our players and our diverse global family and stamp out online abuse. We cannot underestimate the impact abuse has on individuals and the recent spate of sickening incidents needs to be a wake-up call. This includes clubs, governing bodies fans, media and politicians, but requires the help and commitment of social media companies. Our clearly defined action plan has six steps. Celebrate, educate and punish. Arsenal Task Force. Facilitating player workshops. Leveraging fan power. Arsenal in the community. Collective responsibility. We urge all Arsenal supporters to go to arsenal.com and check through each of these six areas, where we believe, with your help, we can make a real difference and help put an end to online abuse. Thank you, Joe. Supporters will have heard that Joe Montemurro will be leaving his position as Arsenal Women Head Coach at the end of the season. Joe has done a fantastic job over the past three years leading us to a first women's Super League title in seven years in 2019, four cup finals and a Champions League quarter, built a talented and competitive squad and led the club through a global pandemic. He has decided to take a professional break to recharge and dedicate more time to his family. Joe said... My three and a half years at Arsenal have been a fantastic adventure, the highlight of my coaching career. Find out more from Joe in the Slavia Prague programme. Notice board. Ray Weeks is 50. We can't believe it. Happy birthday for April the 7th. Love mum, dad, Liz, Paul, Imogen and Rufus. Maurice Lamb. Happy 50th birthday, Dar. Love, Eva, Johnny and Seamus. Alfie Humphrey. Happy first birthday. Guna forever. Continuing the Humphrey family tradition. We all love you very much. Mum, Dad and Family. Totaliser £638. Arsenal remembers. Robert Stephen Lawrence a much-loved gooner who will be sadly missed by all his family and friends. Rest in peace. Ref Watch Today's referee is Martin Atkinson from West Yorkshire. A very experienced official, Martin has been a Premier League referee since season 2004-5. to This season, he has refed 23 Premier League games, handing out 55 yellow cards and two reds. Today's match will be his fifth this season involving Arsenal. He was the man in the middle in our 3-0 home loss to Aston Villa, followed swiftly by a 2-0 away defeat at Tottenham. However, his two most recent games, at Brighton and West Brom, ended in wins for the Gunners 1-0 and 4-0 respectively. Fixture changes. Our next two Premier League matches here at Emirates have been rescheduled as a result of TV selection. Arsenal v Fulham. Sunday, April the 18th. Originally, Saturday, April the 17th. Kick-off, pm Live on Sky Sports. Arsenal v Everton. Friday, April the 23rd originally saturday april the twenty fourth kickoff eight p m live on sky sports the standard tv selections have now been made up to and including april the twenty sixth arsenal league champions nineteen thirty to thirty one nineteen thirty two to thirty three nineteen thirty three to thirty four Nineteen thirty four to thirty five, nineteen thirty seven to thirty eight, nineteen forty seven to forty eight, nineteen fifty two to fifty three, nineteen seventy to seventy one, nineteen eighty eight to eighty nine, nineteen ninety to ninety one, nineteen ninety seven to ninety eight, two thousand and one to two, two thousand and three to four. FA Cup winners nineteen thirty, 1930, nineteen thirty six, nineteen fifty, nineteen seventy one, nineteen seventy nine, nineteen ninety three, nineteen ninety eight, two thousand and two, two thousand and three, two thousand and five, two thousand and fourteen, two thousand and fifteen, two thousand and seventeen, two thousand and twenty. League Cup winners nineteen eighty six to eighty seven. Nineteen ninety two to ninety three Charity Community Shield winners nineteen thirty, nineteen thirty 1930, one, nineteen thirty three, nineteen thirty four, nineteen thirty eight, nineteen forty eight, nineteen fifty three, nineteen ninety one shared nineteen ninety eight, nineteen ninety nine, two thousand and two, two thousand and four, two thousand and fourteen, two thousand and fifteen. 2017 2020 FA Cup winners 1969 to 70 European Cup winners Cup winners 1993 to 94 FA Youth Cup winners 1966 1971 1988 1994 2000 2001 2009 Arsenal Football Club 75 Drayton Park, London, N5 1BU 0207 O O, Website www.arsenal.com Email programme at arsenal.co.uk Twitter at FAC programme Directors Lord Harris of Peckham Stan Kronker, Josh Kronker, Tim Lewis, Secretary David Miles, Life President Ken Fryer OBE, Chief Executive Officer Vinay Venkatisham, Technical Director Edu, Manager Mikel Arteta.
3: Developing Strong Young Gunners In this issue, Young Gun, Kiddo Taylor Hart Match Reports, Youth Cup Cheer Remember, when Rocky was a Young Gun Stats, results, fixtures and appearance details Young Gun, Kiddo Taylor Hart, talking to Aidan Small Born, Harringay, September 30th, 2002 Height and weight, 6 foot 1 inch and 75 kilos Position, midfielder stroke winger. Boots, Adidas Predators. Signed for Arsenal, at under 8 level. School, Fortesmere School, Muswell Hill, London. Growing up, I had an interesting relationship with football. Unlike most in my age group here at Arsenal, I started playing quite late. And to be honest, I never really used to watch games in the way that others did. You see, my dad didn't really pay much attention to football and because of that, I didn't really have a team to support growing up. For me, football was just a way to have fun with my friends and express myself a bit, I guess. But that all started to change when my friend's dad was watching me play out in the street and thought I had something about me. He told my dad right away, and although my dad doesn't know too much about football, he took his word. He was the first person to really believe in me as a footballer, I think. Street football has definitely played a really important role in my development as a player. It's all about close control and technical skills and those are the kinds of traits that will follow you throughout your whole career. It's probably why we have so many technical players in the England youth system right now. I had a wall directly opposite my house as a kid and that was perfect for kickabouts with my mates. I also had a power league just round the corner too. As a kid, I loved playing there because everyone used it as a space to just freestyle and kind of go with the flow. You're not really thinking too much, you just have to adapt, and over time those skills and movements become more and more natural. Now when I was playing at school and with my mates, I could tell that I was a good player. I could skip past defenders with ease and do things others couldn't. But when I arrived at Arsenal, I was probably the worst person there. I remember feeling like the only thing I could offer was my pace. Everyone else was just so good. As I've already explained, it's not like I didn't like football growing up. I just didn't watch it and love it in the same way that others did. In terms of my technical and physical ability, I was a very raw player and needed coaching. Genuinely, it wasn't until I was 14 that I started to really gain an understanding of tactics and how to approach certain things in-game. Because I wasn't exposed to football in the way many others were, it took me a little longer. But I've given it a lot of attention over the years and I've changed as a player for the better. Last year was my first up at London Colney and overall I'd say I did all right. But it was quite a frustrating and testing period for me. Just before I came to Colney, I was out of form and knew that I could do more. So when I arrived here and started finding my form again, I was buzzing. But then I broke one of my toes against Reading and that killed my rhythm. Then we were hit by coronavirus just as I was getting back to fitness. That was tough for me mentally because I just wanted to put a run of games together. When I'm out of form, I always feel like I'm forcing things. I'm trying too hard and I feel like I'm trying to be too smart. I know it's the wrong thing to do because when I'm in form, I always feel like I'm flowing and playing with instinct. When I'm at my best, I don't think, I just do. It goes without saying that it comes with good practice and good habits, though. I feel like that's why I've really kicked on this season. Throughout my career, my end product has never been my standout attribute. I've always been able to get into the box, but then I'd let myself down because my first thought was to pass. I used to get a lot of assists, but I've never been a goal scorer, and that's something I realised I had to change. The moment that made me realise that was when I was away with England under-16s, and I wasn't called back after a tournament. They told me I didn't take a single shot in the whole tournament, and that I need to become more deadly in the final third. Since then, I've been working on adding that clinical side to my game, and I think it's paying off. Serge Gnabry is a player i really look up to in that regard he was always a very talented player here at arsenal but he never put up crazy numbers and over time he's become more direct aggressive and sharp with his runs and shot selection i want to add that to my game too as for today's game i'm proud that as a member of our academy we'll be remembering a true arsenal legend david rocastle as a player he was before my time but his legacy around the club and especially the academy lives on. He's got the indoor sports hall named after him, and I think little details like those are important because kids at Hale End will remember his name for generations. Homegrown players and the academy system has given this club so much talent and so many memories over the years. Rate yourself. Scores out of 100. Speed, 90. Shooting, 82. Dribbling, 94. Strength 75, passing 80, defending 70. Kiddo Taylor Hart, lowdown. Earliest memory of football, kicking the ball against the wall outside my mum's house. Got me into playing football, my friend's dad. First footballer looked up to, Zinedine Zidane. Favourite football shirt, owned. The first one I got which was the Granada International Team shirt. Favourite Boots First Venoms Team supported as a child I didn't really support anyone Best goal of all time Zidane's volley in the World Cup Best player I've faced Tino Angerin from Chelsea Best goal I've scored From the halfway line Against Ipswich under 14s Best performance I've had Against Liverpool under 16s away Best skill I've done in a game I flicked it over someone's head and then got an assist. Best moment of my career so far. My international debut. One stadium I'd like to score in. Emirates Stadium. One type of goal I'd like to score. A header because I've never scored one. A player to score a one-on-one to save my life. Erling Haaland. If I could completely change position, I'd play wing-back. Best training ground tip I've been given. Play with freedom. Another sport I'm good at. Basketball. Favourite training drill. Matches at the end. Ambitions this season away from the pitch. I want to start a football programme for the younger kids in Harringay at some point. The important non-playing attributes. Dedication and hard work. Biggest lesson learnt off the pitch. Attitudes get you far. Favourite footballer of all time. Zinedine Zidane Favourite follow on Instagram Dwayne Johnson FA Youth Cup 4th round Saturday March 20th Ewood Park Arsenal 4 Edwards 9 Taylor Hart 33 Aziz 43 Norton Cuffey 90 Blackburn Rovers 1 Gilsonan 46 Arsenal under 18 Edgherry Norton Cuffey, Kirk, Monlouis, Ogumbu, Aziz, Bandiera, Sirjan, Henry Francis, 75, Taylor Hart, Edwards, Hutchinson, Ideho, 80. Subs not used. Gratzik, Awe, Foran, Jeffcott, Sago, Jr. Our under-18s booked their place in the last 16 of the FA Youth Cup, as they ran out 4-1 winners over Blackburn Rovers. It was Rovers, who knocked us out at the quarterfinal stage last season, but this time around Ken Gillard's side claimed revenge, delivering an attacking performance of the highest quality. Kayon Edwards opened the scoring with just nine minutes on the clock, racing behind Blackburn's defence and latching on to Brooke Norton Cuffey's through ball. The keeper looked set to claim his searching pass but failed to take control of the situation and Edwards was on hand to finish into an open goal. Kiddo Taylor Hart then went on to double our advantage, cutting inside from the left on a dangerous counter-attack and fizzing the ball into the top corner. It was a stunning strike from the 18-year-old winger, but the best of the bunch arrived on the stroke of half-time as Miguel Aziz picked up the ball 30 yards from goal and found the top right corner in style. Rovers pulled one back just one minute after the restart, with Zach Gilson and converting from close range. But we restored our three-goal advantage late on when Brooke Norton Cuffey raced forward on the break to convert Mazid Ogungbo's rebound. We will travel to West Ham United in the last 16 of the competition. A date has yet to be confirmed for the game. Rocky, the original young gun. David Rocastle was a teenage sensation at Arsenal, so much so that he was voted Player of the Year for 1986, when he was still only 19. Here we have reproduced the interview with David from our matchday programme against QPR on December 6th, 1986, when the level-headed youngster discussed the special accolade. David Rocastle Arsenal Football Supporters Club, Player of the Year, by Kevin Connolly. What a pleasant surprise, and what a joy it caused. Our Supporters Club 1986 Player of the Year, David Rocastle, says he couldn't have even dreamed about winning such an award while he was recovering from a cartilage operation in the summer. Now our skillful, tenacious midfielder's powerful displays have deservedly established him as the fans' favourite, after just 45 first-team appearances. David topped a close poll. Kenny Sampson, Paul Davis, and Tony Adams were challenging, till the final votes were cast after our three nil win over Manchester City, when David emerged a clean winner. David is a very popular winner. He's quickly made a great impression with the fans, says Supporters Club Secretary, Barry Baker. Rocastle admits he found it hard to catch on when Baker phoned to tell him the news. It was a shock at first, he revealed. I couldn't believe it, I never expected it, but it's a great feeling. David has not only proved his ability, he's proved his courage as well. He recovered from that operation, won back his place in the Gunners team and now he's being tipped as a future England star. It was a bonus for me to get back into the side and be part of a team that's been doing so well, he says modestly. But the Highbury fans have taken David to their hearts and David gratefully acknowledges their support. The crowd have been marvellous to me, ever since I made my debut against Newcastle last September, he says. They've stuck by me, even when things are not going the way I'd hoped. They've helped give me the confidence not to be afraid to try something different. If I make a mistake, they don't get on to me. They know I'll try and make up for it next time. Why is it that David has struck up such a quick rapport with the Arsenal fans? Rocastle doesn't like boasting about his own qualities, but he tries to find an answer. I think they know that I always give 100%, that I've come up through our junior ranks and that I'm Arsenal through and through, he says. I also reckon it's easier for a young player to be accepted than say a big money buy. The fans don't expect so much to start with and if you have a run they really get behind you like they've got behind me. Rowcastle also acknowledges the help he's received from his first team colleagues. They've all encouraged me and G'd me up, he says. Skipper Kenny Sansom, a former South London schoolboy star like David, has given him plenty of good advice. So have the players around him. Viv Anderson and I formed a partnership on the right, and Viv is always talking to me using his experience to help me through the game, says David. Likewise with Steve Williams and Paul Davis in midfield. They give me a boost when I need it, and tell me straight away if I ever get sloffy. David has already won a place in England's under-21 squad. He played against Sweden and a highly talented Yugoslav side, who packed the midfield and set David and his teammates' problems they don't often meet in English football. Roecastle wants to broaden his experience against that calibre of opposition. Establishing himself in England under-21s is one of his aims this season. But Arsenal remains his top priority and he set his own targets with us too. Firstly, I want to keep my place in the side, he says. Then I want to be part of an Arsenal team that wins a major prize. The way we've been playing this season, we could make that happen.
1: Paul Davis. I remember being aware of a bunch of really good youngsters coming through the ranks. In the first team, we started to talk about him a lot, but most of the whispers were about a guy called Dave Roecastle. Dave then started training with us in the first team, and it became clear that he was ever more outstanding talent than what was spoken of about him. His love for the game always shone through with his training and dedication. His competitiveness was incredible, along with his skill level. I felt from an early age that he was going to do very well. If you love for something, you can go far, and you can combine that with natural ability. Dave was on another level. I was from Dulwich at the time, and there was no one else in the changing room from South London. They were all like other parts of the country. All of a sudden, there was Rocky and Mickey, who were South London boys. And I thought, wow, these guys grew up so close to where I did back then. When you knew someone came from your area, you felt connected with them. And they were black guys as well. So I knew some of the struggles that they'd been endured. I'd say it was a mixture of the older brother-uncle type of relationship. I was five years older than Dave. So I'd like to be able to think that he saw me as a bit of a role model. I wanted to be able to support all of our players, but in particular, the young black lads that were coming through from the same part of town as me. It made me feel good that I was someone Dave thought he could look up to. But to be honest, he could look after himself. He's a London boy, so trust me. He could look after himself on and off the pitch. But people just loved him in terms of his personality and his enthusiasm. I must say, the connection was always strong with that team we had under George Graham. We were able to mix the older group of guys who weren't from our part of town with some of the younger guys. And also, the black and the white players formed good relationships. I think Rocky was particularly good at making sure team spirit was positive and he could get on with absolutely anyone. Rocky left a huge impression on all Arsenal fans and especially the black community. I look at the fan base for Arsenal now and it's over one of the most diverse in the Premier League. And I put a lot of that, a lot of that down to Rocky, Mickey Thomas and later Kevin Campbell. I feel very proud of what myself and those boys did in terms of coming through at a massive club like Arsenal and making it to the first team. The odds would have been against them back then, but they did what they did and they did it with class. I feel privileged that I got to know Dave, his wife and his kids. We were so close. We even got to know people like his wife's mum. We did a lot of social events together, but also things like christenings and weddings. The fans loved him, always singing his name first. The day he passed, we played Tottenham. I remember a few of us were worried about a minute's silence to the Spurs fans' credit. You could, couldn't could hear a pin drop during that minute. And I think that had showed just how loved and respected Rocky was amongst the whole of the footballing world.
3: Magnificent Sevens There's something special about the Arsenal number no. 7 shirt. Some of the club's greatest and most popular players have strutted their stuff in the iconic jersey. Dating right back to when Herbert Chapman's Gunners first trialled the use of shirt numbers in the late 1920s, our number no. 7 has invariably possessed the skill, talent and magic to light up any game. Here we profile six of the very best magnificent sevens, including, of course, David Rowcastle, the focus of today's match day program. Between the six, they boast more than 1,800 first team appearances, nearly 300 goals, and a combined 14 major honors for the Gunners. And with another home grown England international as the current incumbent, we hope Pukeo Saka will only add to that tally in the coming years. George Armstrong, 1962-1977 to 1977, 621 appearances, 68 goals Optus stats didn't exist in the early 1970s, and not all of Arsenal goals from that era are now available to watch on YouTube. But from the footage which has survived, and newspaper reports of the matches, it's clear that workaholic winger George Armstrong had a hand in a huge proportion of Gunners' goals. Although Alpha Ramsey's wingless wonders won the 1966 World Cup and many in the game were suspicious of wingers, all great sides in the early 70s had one. Leeds had Eddie Gray, Derby Alan Hinton and Arsenal had the indefatigable Geordie Armstrong. Born in County Durham, Armstrong joined Arsenal in 1961 as an inside forward and was swiftly converted into a winger, making his league bow against Blackpool in February 1962. Still a teenager, he struck up an excellent understanding with high-scoring centre-forward Joe Baker in the middle part of the decade. Armstrong was adept at performing on either flank, but he dovetailed perfectly with Bob McNabb over on the left, occasionally dropping back to allow McNabb the opportunity to push forward and never afraid to tackle back when the occasion demanded. Armstrong may not have been blessed with express pace, but he possessed an uncanny ability to drift past defenders. By the early 70s, he was in his prime, and up front, the Radford-Kennedy partnership profited from Armstrong's ability to deliver laser-guided corners and pinpoint accurate crosses. Skipper Frank McClintock said that the Arsenal number 7 could land the ball on a matchstick. This was never better illustrated than in the crucial showdown at White Hart Lane in May 1971, when he crossed for Ray Kennedy to head home the decisive goal which won the title for Arsenal in a 1-0 victory. Despite never being a prolific scorer, he'd weighed in with a vital brace of strikes in the Highbury clash with the Gunners' North London rivals back in August 1970 in Arsenal's 2-0 win. Although the Gunners were unable to add any further silverware in the immediate years after winning the double, Armstrong remained a key member of the team, with World Cup winner Alan Ball, who joined Arsenal in the 1971-72 campaign, expressing astonishment that Geordie was never awarded a full cap by England. Fortunately, Arsenal fans were richly blessed to have watched the popular and respected winger who held the Gunners' appearance record with six hundred and twenty-one until David O'Leary surpassed it in nineteen eighty-nine in his pomp for sixteen years at Highbury. Liam Brady, nineteen seventy-three to nineteen eighty, three hundred and seven appearances, fifty-nine goals. What was his finest moment in red and white? Inspiring the Gunners to a five-nil win at Tottenham. Our greatest post-war result in North Seventeen with that curling goal. Or the 1979 FA Cup final, when he dragged Arsenal over the finishing line in a pulsating last five minutes to beat Manchester United 3-2. Whenever it was, this outrageously talented Dubliner stood head and shoulders above all those around him, a hero for a generation, a player who could walk or glide into any team in the world. The sweetest, most exquisite left foot, and sublime mastery of a football, delighted and enchanted an otherwise grey Highbury in the 1970s. Inevitably, he left for Juventus in 1980, shortly after an outstanding display in Turin, as the Gunners became the first team to beat the old lady on their own pitch. There he won the titles his talent deserved. He won the Serie A title in both 1981 and 82 with Juventus, before also starring for Sampdoria and Inter Milan. He returned to London to finish his playing days at West Ham, but his time at Arsenal wasn't over. In 1996 he came home, rejoining the club as the head of our academy, imparting his knowledge to future generations of gunners. It began a golden era for our youth department, and after various academy league titles and three FA Youth Cup successes, he retired in May 2014, leaving a permanent legacy at the club. A great regret is that he never got to showcase his talents at a major international tournament. He played 72 times for the Republic of Ireland, scoring nine times, and later served as assistant manager for the national team, having previously taken charge of Celtic and Brighton. But he was suspended for Euro 88 and was not selected for the 1990 World Cup after retiring during the qualifiers. David Rowcastle, 1985-1992 277 appearances, 34 goals The crowd loved him because he had that combination of spirit, determination and brilliant ability on the ball. The words of former teammate Martin Keown He may have been a clutch of youth team stars propelled into the first team in the 1980s but the crowd had a special place for Rocastle. Affectionately known as Rocky, the skillful attacking midfielder made his debut in September 1985, and it soon became evident that this was the most exciting talent seen at Highbury since the days of Liam Brady. Powerful yet graceful, Rocky was an all-action player with superb technique. His footwork would bewitch opposition defenders, and he also scored some stunning goals. He thrived on a battle as much as he loved dancing effortlessly around hapless opponents on another mazy run, combining English grit with Brazilian skill. Just watch his goal at Old Trafford in a 1-1 draw in 1991, bursting past Paul Ince and Brian Robson before chipping Peter Schmeichel from 35 yards. He was named Arsenal Player of the Year by supporters in his debut campaign and won the Barclays Young Eagle Award in 1987 and 1989. He was named in the PFA Team of the Year in those seasons too. A Littlewoods Cup winner in 1987, he was ever-present in the 1988-89 league title success, and filled the number 7 jersey with distinction, again when winning the league in 1991, though that season was disrupted by injury. He played 39 times in the league the following campaign, but was surprisingly sold to Leeds that summer. An England international with 14 caps, he later played for Manchester City and Chelsea. But injuries were taking their toll, and his career never scaled the heights of his Arsenal days. His death in 2001, aged just 33, shook the football world. He simply had no enemies. Even Spurs fans liked him. Can you imagine his worth in today's Premier League? Robert Pires, 2000-2006 to 2006, 284 appearances, 84 goals One of the most elegant, graceful players ever to light up the Premier League. Pires was a major creative influence in the successful Arsenal team of the early 2000s. Often playing on the left wing, but effective in any attacking position, the Frenchman was an excellent finisher as well as creating countless chances for the likes of Thierry Henry and Dennis Bergkamp during his six seasons at the club. Arriving from French side Marseille in 2000, Perez took a while to get used to the physical nature of English football, but then took the Premier League by storm. He was sensational during 2001-02, only to have his season cut down early by a cruciate knee injury in March 2002. He had already done enough to win the Football Writers' Association Player of the Year award and his teammates literally bowed before him when he picked up the Premier League trophy in May. He scored the only goal in the 2003 FA Cup final win over Southampton and the following season was an integral part of the Invincible side with 14 goals and 7 assists. He left the club after the 2006 Champions League final after being withdrawn early so that Manuel Almunia could replace the dismissed Jens Lehmann. Pires scored 84 goals in 284 appearances for the Gunners, and particularly enjoyed playing in the North London derby. The number 7 scored eight times against Tottenham in all. A long-time France international with 79 caps, he was part of the 1998 World Cup and €2,000 winning squads, as well as lifting the Confederations Cup in 2001 and 2003. He later played for Real, Aston Villa and finished his playing days in India. Thomas Frozicki, 2006-2016 246 appearances, 28 goals Nicknamed Little Mozart while playing for Borussia Dortmund in the Bundesliga The Czech playmaker quickly made an impression after signing for Arsenal in 2006, thumping home a glorious goal against Hamburg in a Champions League group stage match. Although a succession of injuries meant he only made more than 20 Premier League outings in one of his ten seasons at Arsenal, his first, the presence of Rosicky on the Emirates pitch meant that supporters would often be treated to the sight of this creative player pulling the strings in midfield laying on chances for teammates and perhaps scoring a beautifully crafted goal. In many ways, Rosiki was a football purist. I experienced some of the fabulous moments that football creates and also some cruel ones. I never played for money and fame. I have always been a boy who loved the game. It brought me fulfilment and a lot of joy. Rosiki netted a raft of great goals. In a 2006-7 stroke third-round FA Cup clash with Liverpool at Anfield, he bamboozled the home-sized defence all afternoon, lofting home Arsenal's opener before grabbing another after dancing through the opposition's back line. On several occasions, Rozicki reserved his best form for North London derbies. Despite having been two goals down to Tottenham at the Emirates in February 2012, Rozicki's display and fine goal after latching onto Bakari Sagna's low cross helped Arsenal fight back to win 5-2. Almost two years later, he ran half the length of the pitch to score in an FA Cup third-round clash, which Arsenal won en route to winning the competition in 2014. The Czech scored no finer goal for the Gunners than in early March that year, drilling home Arsenal's exquisite winner in a league clash at White Hart Lane from outside the box. He finally won silverware for Arsenal after coming on in the 106th minute in the 2014 FA Cup final against Hull City, before injuries once again scuffered his chances of winning back his first team place permanently. After announcing his departure from the club in May 2016, he received a guard of honour after Arsenal's 4-0 final day victory against Aston Villa. With several members of the squad wearing Rosiki seven jerseys. Bukayo Saka, 2017, ongoing. 77 appearances, 10 goals. The latest gunner to wear our famous number seven shirt, Bukayo Saka, is one of the most exciting young talents in world football right now. With blistering pace, outrageous trickery, and maturity beyond his years, Bukeo has seamlessly stepped up to the challenge of first-team football, becoming a vital player for Arsenal at just 19 years of age. But let's take it back to the start. Born in the London borough of Ealing, Bukeo joined our Hale End Academy aged 8 and has long been marked as one for the future, often playing above his age group. And not once did he look out of place. As each challenge became bigger and tougher, so too did Bukeo and by August 2017 he made his debut for our under-18s at just 15 years of age. By 16 he made his debut for our under-23s, assisting against Manchester City no less, and just three months later he made his first team debut against Voskla Poltava in the Europa League. His first goal arrived in our opening Europa League fixture the following season and he went on to provide a further three goals and 11 assists in 38 appearances that term. Success on the pitch didn't come at the cost of his schoolwork either, as Bukeo left Greenford High School with four A-stars and three A's at GCSE level. So often with talented young players, the pressure of expectation and the occasion will limit opportunities. But in the case of Bukeo, it's quite the opposite. As each season has passed, Bouquet has come back even stronger and more determined than ever before, taking on greater responsibility in the final third. His ability to play in a number of positions certainly can't go unnoticed either. Whether he's stretching play on the left wing, bombing on from full back, or cutting inside from the right, Bouquet is never afraid to express himself on the pitch, a quality that's no doubt appreciated by all gooners
4: Arsenal Women News and reports from England's most successful women's football team Women's Super League Saturday, March the 27th Tottenham Hotspur Stadium Tottenham Hotspur 0 Arsenal 3 Ford 26 Midema 35 McCabe, sixty-one, Arsenal, Sinsberger, Maritz, substituted with Patton in the seventy-fifth minute. moy Walty, McCabe, substituted with Meyer in the seventy-first minute. Little, Roard, Van der Donk, Nobs, Midema, Ford, substituted with Good in the seventy-first minute. Subs not used. Williams, Williamson, Goldie. We cruised to victory in the North London Derby last Saturday with a 3 0 victory at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Katie McCabe delivered a player of the match performance, scoring one and assisting another, while Viviane Medema hit a stunning contender for goal of the season. We started strongly. And after Jordan Knobbs fired wide early on, Caitlin Ford gave us the lead in style. The Australia International played a quick 1 2 with Noel Maritz down the right wing before arriving inside the area and finding the bottom corner. Midema then went on to double our advantage on the stroke of half time and in some style too. McCabe floated an inch perfect corner delivery into the penalty area and Midema found the top corner with a stunning volley on her left foot. McCabe wreaked havoc on Tottenham's defence all afternoon, and shortly after the hour mark, she grabbed her reward, racing in behind and coolly finishing into the bottom corner. The hosts would go on to create a golden opportunity late on, but Manuela Zinsberg was on hand to deny Tottenham not once, not twice, but three times in succession. That outstanding triple save also created a little bit of history, as we secured four consecutive WSL victories without conceding. Goldie moment. All of the squad were thrilled to be part of keeping North London red last Saturday, but it was a particularly special afternoon for 16-year-old Taya Goldie. It was the St Albans youngsters' first involvement with the first-team squad, and she took her place alongside established international stars Leah Williamson, Lydia Williams, Leonie Meyer and Malin Goote. It must have been a dream come true for the young defender. Taya, who doesn't turn 17 until June, has been a member of the Arsenal Academy for a number of years and is also part of the England Under-18 squad, having captained England Under-15s. Congratulations, Taya! Magic McCabe The North London derby witnessed a wonder strike from Viviane Midema, but also yet another superb performance from Katie McCabe, including the Gunners' third goal. After originally coming on trial in 2015, Katie's career has gone from strength to strength in the last six years with this season arguably her best of all. She has played 21 games for Joe Montemuro's team, only Midema has played more, and now has three goals and a remarkable 11 assists to her name, including the cross for Viv's goal on Saturday and the corner converted by Lotta Wubben-Moy against Manchester United in our previous match. Katie is only one assist away from equaling Arsenal's WSL record of 12, held by Beth Mead from the 2018-19 season. The 25-year-old has now played 108 times for the Gunners in total, scoring 20 goals. Keep it up, Katie. 2020-21 fixtures September 6th, Reading, 6-1 September 12th, West Ham United, 9-1 September 26th, Tottenham FA Cup quarter-final, 4-0 October 1st, Man City, FA Cup semi-final, 1-2 October 4th, Bristol City, 3-1 October 7th, Chelsea, CC, 1-4 October the eleventh, Brighton and Hove Albion five nil. October the eighteenth, Tottenham Hotspur six one. November the fourth, London City Lionesses C C four nil. November the eighth, Manchester United nil one. November the fifteenth, Chelsea one one. November the eighteenth, Tottenham Hotspur C C two two. Arsenal won on penalties. December the sixth, Birmingham City three nil. December the thirteenth, Manchester City one two. December the twentieth, Everton four nil. January the seventeenth, Reading one one. February the seventh, Manchester City one two. February the tenth, Chelsea nil three. February the 28th Aston Villa 4-0 March the 7th Birmingham City 4-0 March the 19th Manchester United 2-0 March the 27th Tottenham Hotspur 3-0 April the 4th Bristol City away April the 25th Brighton and Hove Albion home May the 2nd Everton away May the 9th, Aston Villa, home. TBA, West Ham United, home.
2: Tribute, Alan Smith One of the most memorable moments of my career involved Rocky, but it was actually away from the pitch. Penny, my wife, and I went down for the Arsenal end-of-season dinner at the Hilton in Park Lane at the end of the 1986-87 to season. I was joining the club at the start of the next season, and we were sat there with other couples. Rocky came over to introduce himself, welcomed me, said how delighted they were to have me at the club, and said if there's anything he can do for me, please ask. Penn and I spoke afterwards in the car, almost gobsmacked at that particular interaction. Rocky spoke as if he was the thirty-year-old club captain and senior man, yet he was twenty years old. He was so mature, so charming, and so polite. That was our first experience, and we hit it off right from that point. He was just one of those people I naturally got on with, and I grew very close with his family. WE WOULD QUITE OFTEN MEET FOR A MEAL AND WE BECAME VERY COMFORTABLE AROUND ONE ANOTHER. I REMEMBER PENNY USED TO SPEAK TO JANET WHILE SHE WAS WORKING AT BT. THEY WOULD BE CHATTING AWAY FOR HOURS, WHICH SHOWS YOU HOW GOOD MATES THEY WERE. HE WAS A FUNNY LAD, ROCKY. HE HAD A BIG, BOOMING VOICE WHEN HE WANTED TO. HE COULD FILL THE DRESSING-ROOM WITH HIS BIG SMILE AND BIG PERSONALITY. YOU COULDN'T DISLIKE ROCKY. He was serious when he needed to be, but could also take the maker, especially with who they called the brothers like Mickey Thomas and Gus Caesar. I would always like to see what Rocky was wearing and what car he was driving. He was such a classy guy. He had a beautiful Mercedes coupe at one point, which I ended up copying and getting one myself a few years later. On the pitch, Dave was so good at putting in an early ball, just fizzing a low one in that corridor between the keeper and defenders. When I realised how accomplished he was at it, it became ideal because I could make my movement just before the defender. He would do quite a few step-overs, which I had to get used to a bit, just watching him bamboozle defenders. But the gaffer knew Rocky had a special ability to go past players and encouraged him to be creative in the final third. Having said that, Rocky was intelligent enough to know when to go past a player, and when to deliver. In those early years we had Brian Marwood on the left and Rocky on the right. That was some service for a centre-forward. The fact that Penny and Janet were so close was something that was important to me, as it meant our relationship remained. The nature of being a footballer meant things change so quickly with your teammates, one day your best friends, and suddenly one gets a transfer, and you don't hear from them. Having Penny and Janet close meant we could easily retain our friendship, as women are usually much better at keeping in touch than men. I remember visiting him up in Leeds and him coming back down when he could. When he was at Chelsea, I would go to watch him play and go meet him in the players' lounge beforehand. Even when he was in Malaysia, we would speak regularly on the phone about what it was like out there. The legacy of Rocky lives on with his wonderful kids.
0: The
4: Arsenal Foundation My Story story. The work of the Arsenal Foundation and the partners and initiatives it supports have touched the lives of a great number of people in a variety of ways. The Arsenal Foundation's Emergency Covid Fund has helped the Museum of Homelessness, a community-driven social justice museum created and run by people with direct experience of homelessness. David Tovey, 46, tells us how the charity has helped him. Back in 2013, I took a near-fatal overdose in Highbury Fields. I couldn't see any other way out. I was in debt, addicted to alcohol, and about to lose my flat. Luckily, I was resuscitated that day, but that didn't stop me from becoming homeless. After five months, things changed one night in Isledon Gardens. I went into the locked park to take my own life, when a man appeared and was like, What are you doing? It threw me. I broke down and told him everything. And not only did he save my life, he gave me my life back. That moment became the inspiration for a lot of my art which later played a massive role in me coming off the streets. It led me to meet other artists with similar experiences and discover a museum about homelessness was being set up by people affected by it. I've collaborated with the museum since 2016, and we've come a long way in that time. We've put on exhibitions and events all over the country. We've operated in the halls of Tate Modern and on the streets. We believe art can change lives. It saved my life, and that's why I've dedicated myself to changing society through art. We have a homelessness crisis, but if you just shout about it, people stop listening. If you give them something beautiful, make them cry, they will listen. When the pandemic hit, We knew it was a massive risk to homeless people, so we set up a task force. Islington Council lent us a community centre, and we stacked our museum shelving with food and emergency supplies. But even after the lockdown, we realised isolation was still having a devastating impact on mental health. So with the help of funding from the Arsenal Foundation, we set up a street museum every Thursday on Highbury Corner. This was an outdoor, COVID-secure space where people could gather as safely as possible for food, art and company. We have worked with thousands of people during the pandemic. In lockdown one alone, we distributed 8,956 hot meals and care packs, and the winter was very tough. We had a spike in homeless suicides in 2020. And given my own experience and the fact the street museum was so near to where I tried to take my own life, it meant so much to me to be able to help people. My proudest moment was having my family come to our show at Tate Modern. It was the first time I knew my dad was proud of me, proud that I had gone through so much and picked myself back up. He didn't think the arts could make a difference, but that day changed his mind. Little did I know that just over a year later, I would be carrying his coffin. I can never thank the museum enough for giving me that chance to make my dad proud. For more info, visit museumofhomelessness.org.
1: West Ham United report, Premier League, Match Day 29, 3pm, Sunday, March of 21st, London Stadium, West Ham 3, Arsenal 3. Having made a desperately slow start to the game, we were punished when the Hammers took the lead as Jesse Lingard arrowed a shot into the top corner. Should have acted as a wake-up call, but instead, less than two minutes later, the hosts doubled their advantage as a quickly taken free kick caught us off guard. And Jared Bowen beat Leno. The Hammers extended their advantage when Thomas deflected in Antonio's header. Finally, we woke up and responded when Lacazette's swivel and shot inside the box deflected off Sukek into the roof of the net. Bakio Seca had a golden chance to make it 3-2 soon afterwards, but his shot was too close to Lucas Fabianski. In the second half, just after the hour mark, our dominance had its reward when Callum Chambers whipped in a cross, was deflected into his own goal by Craig Dawson. The comeback was on and the influential Martin Ogo soon saw the shot blocked in an area while down to the other end. Chambers had to clear one off the line as Lingard looked set to claim his second. We finally levelled with nine minutes remaining. Nicholas Pepe dug out the fine cross to the back post for Lacazette to head in from close range. Pepe had two half chances during a thrilling finale, but the match, in the end, we shared the spoils from this dramatic derby. Match stats: West Ham 15 shots, Arsenal 16 shots. Shots on target: West Ham 5, Arsenal 7. Corners: West Ham 3, Arsenal 5. Offsides: West Ham 1, Arsenal 0. Fouls: West Ham 18. Arsenal 8 Possession West Ham 37 Arsenal 63
3: Michael Thomas Me and Rocky met before we became teammates at Arsenal when we were both playing for the South London schools at around 11-12 stroke 12 years old. I only knew him on the field at that point. When we joined the Arsenal youth team, I was coming from Stockwell and Dave was coming from Brockley. He got the train to Waterloo and I was on the Victoria line. Most mornings we'd meet at Arsenal station and walk to the stadium from there. When we got to around 16, 17, we were spending a lot more time off the field together. We went to a lot of parties. He seemed to know the scene a bit better than me. I would sometimes stay at Dave's family home and we would go out as I was from the same area. Dave started training with the first team a bit earlier than me, and I will never forget when he made his debut. We used to train at Highbury on a Friday, and the youth team would go into the gym after the first team. By that point, Dave was already training with the main squad, and he was by the stairs waiting to tell me that he was making his debut tomorrow against Newcastle. He was absolutely glowing, and he couldn't wait to tell me. Unfortunately we weren't there to see it as the youth team had a Southeast Counties game but I remember Dave's reaction to that bit of news so clearly. He was beaming with pride about playing for the Arsenal. Me and Dave came through the ranks together playing in district teams. It was a special journey with so many incredible moments that we could share with each other. Dave was humble, he had everything, he was so talented but he had time for everyone and that is what I loved about him. He was special like that. He didn't see himself as bigger than any other person. In his eyes, he was just a young kid from Brockley who had time for everyone else. He had such hunger and love for the club and playing for Arsenal, putting on the shirt. That was his team. I would go to him for advice as he was in the first team a bit before me, and he really was an old head on young shoulders. He lost his dad when he was five but he was just so well adjusted that you could ask him anything and he would try and help you out. He would treat everyone fairly. When Dave left Arsenal that was a sad day for me. I was on pre-season tour with Liverpool in Paris and Graham soonest came over and said to me that's a bit of a shock about your mate isn't it? I was thinking what's he on about? before he told me that Arsenal had sold David Rowcastle to Leeds. I knew Dave would be absolutely gutted because he loved Arsenal, and his best mate, Wrighty had just arrived there. I had left at Christmas. That was hard because I knew Dave would never ever want to leave Arsenal. That hurt him a lot, and that hurt me. But his move to Leeds and then Manchester meant we got to see more of each other. We would always talk on the phone but when I was at Liverpool and he was at Leeds, we had some incredible times. I'd drive down a lot and spend time with him and the family, and they were great memories. Much of it was just reminiscing about old times at Arsenal, something we did right up until his very last moment.
1: Liverpool by Mike Hammond Formed June the 3rd, 1892. Nickname, The Reds. Stadium, Anfield. 53,394. Honours. First Division, Premier League winners. nineteen hundred, 1900, nineteen o five, nineteen twenty one, nineteen twenty two, nineteen forty six, nineteen sixty three, nineteen sixty five, nineteen seventy two, nineteen seventy five. 1965, Nineteen seventy six, nineteen seventy eight, nineteen seventy nine, nineteen eighty one, nineteen eighty two, nineteen eighty three, nineteen eighty five, nineteen eighty seven, nineteen eighty nine, two thousand nineteen. Second Division Championship winners eighteen ninety three, eighteen ninety five, nineteen oh four, nineteen sixty one. FA Cup winners nineteen sixty five, seventy four. 86, 89, 92, 2001, 2006. League Cup. 81, 82, 83, 84, 95, 2001, 2003, 2012. European Cup UEFA Champions League. 1977, 78, 81, 84, 2005, 2019. UEFA Cup. 1973, 1976, 2001. European Super Cup, 1977, 2001, 2005, 2019. FIFA Club World Cup, 2019. Owner, Fenway Sports Group. Chairman, Tom Werner. Social followers, Twitter, 16.8 million. Instagram, 30.3 million. Facebook, £38.9 million. The reigning champions of England appear to have done it all. To finish in the top four of the Premier League this season, a remarkable collapse in Liverpool's former Anfield since the turn of the year has seen them slide out of first of title contention, then out the Champions League place. Although they have continued to fare well in their travels, they come to Emirates Stadium, place seven in the table with 46 points in just 13 wins, from their 29 matches. Having finally fulfilled their Premier League dream last season, winning it in Championship style with 99 points, 18 more than second-place Man City, and dropping just two points at home, Jurgen Klopp's side have gone badly off the rails this term. The damage has been done at Anfield, where after going 68 league games undefeated, a record run lasting for almost four years, they have incredibly lost all of their last six matches there. Burnley, the only team to deny them victory at Anfield last term, started the trend with a 1-0 win in January 21st. Since then, Brighton, Man City, Everton, Chelsea and Fulham have all won there. It is perhaps a blessing for Liverpool that the match against Fulham on March 7th was their last fixture at Anfield for five weeks. They return there to face Aston Villa next weekend and will be desperate not to extend their new club record to seven defeats in a row. Before then, however, they are in action on Tuesday in Spain when they take on Real Madrid in the quarter-finals of the first leg of the Champions League. If Liverpool are to lift the trophy this season, it will have to be the one with the big ears, which they have won for a sixth time two years ago, defeating Spurs 2-0 in the final. Also in Madrid, at the home of the Real's rivals, Atletico. It was Arsenal who denied the Merseyside a silverware back in late August with a penalty shootout win at the Community Shield after a 1-1 draw at Wembley. And the Gunners also knocked Liverpool off the Carabao Cup. And another shootout success at Anfield in October, Klopp's men were turfed out of the FA Cup in the fourth round, losing 3-2 to Manchester United at Old Trafford. But at least they have maintained some stability in Europe topping their Champions League group before beating Leipzig 2-0 in a neutral Budapest in the Round 16. Liverpool's away form has been in stark contrast to their Anfield attributions. They have won four of their last five Premier League fixtures on the road. First two in London, 3-1 against both Tottenham and West Ham, with a 3-1 defeat at Leicester, interrupting the sequence before they got back into victory trial at Sheffield United 2-0. The last time out at Wolves where ex-Monolou favourite Diego Jota scored the only goal of the game. A raft of injuries, especially in central defence, has plagued the Merseysiders in the 2021 season, and they'll be hoping for a clean bill of health from the international break as they go again in search of a top-four place against Arsenal this evening. Mutual admiration. Ray Kennedy was a teenager when he helped Brotal Bertie Meade's team to a double in May '71. After a handful of games in the previous season, including a substitute appearance at the Triumphant Fairs FA Cup, the powerful left footer from Northumberland grabbed his chance early in the double winning campaign due to an injury to Charlie George and went on to score 19 league goals and two in the FA Cup, providing a superb combination over five seasons for the Gunners. He scored 71 goals in 213 games before Liverpool paid the club record of £200,000 for his services on July the 12th, 1974. On Merseyside, Kenny used his excellent vision and passing skills to drop back into midfield, where he was a regular during the second half of the decade, as Liverpool swept all before them. And in he claimed a remarkable five league titles, three European Cups, a UEFA Cup, a League Cup on the Merseyside before Leeds in versus Swansea City, On January 1982. In later life, Kennedy has suffered from Parkinson's disease, and Arsenal and Liverpool hosted a testimonial for him in April 1991. Premier League records AFC wins 16, draws 19, LFC wins 22. All time record AFC wins 79, draws 64, Liverpool FC 89. Arsenal win percentage Thirty-four. This is the ninth season in a row which matches between Arsenal and Liverpool have totaled to at least six games. 6,984. Liverpool and Arsenal are the top two sides in Football League history. Liverpool lead the way with 6,984 points. We have 6,813. 166 Arsenal versus Liverpool is the highest scoring fixture in Premier League history with 166 goals.
4: Ben Winston When Arsenal played Valencia at Highbury on April the 4th, 2001, just 4 days after David Rocastle's death. The matchday programme featured numerous eulogies to one of Arsenal's favourite sons. Teenage supporter Ben Winston, a volunteer with the Arsenal Community Department, submitted his own heartfelt tribute, which we printed with those of former teammates and friends. David Roecastle was the reason I got into football. I am a season ticket holder who is currently coaching football with Arsenal in the north of Israel, to kids who would not normally have the opportunity to play. Football is therefore a big part of my life. However, football was a sport I didn't even like until I saw Rocky play at the age of seven. He was such a great player that I was mesmerised by him, and after seeing him, started supporting the club. Four years ago, I started a tribute football team called Rowcastle Rovers, a team that is still going strong. Everyone knows that David was a fantastic player and loyal servant to the club. However, David was also one of the nicest men I have ever met. I was very fortunate that in 1991, he allowed me to come and interview him for my school magazine. Rarely have I met such a kind, lovely and generous man. I was overcome by his warmth and personality. He is a one-off, a legend, a genuine hero. I will never forget him. Ben Winston, 2001 Two decades later, Ben has swapped North London for Los Angeles and a highly successful career as a TV producer and director. Winning Emmys for his work on The Late Late Show with James Corden, he was also executive producer of the awards show last month. He has worked with some of the world's most celebrated music artists, including One Direction, Shawn Mendes and Bruno Mars. Ben remains a huge Arsenal fan, who still feels the impact of his favourite player's death all those years ago. The match day programme asked Ben to once again reflect on Rocky's influence as we commemorate the 20 year anniversary of his death 20 years since his passing it's a testament to how much David Rocastle meant to us all that we will still sing his name still have his picture adorning our walls still reminisce about the great times we had watching him the meeting room in my office will always be named in his honour I've often thought about why David's legacy looms so large all these years on. Which other player's name from our 80s lineup is regularly sung by an entire stadium, often by fans too young to have even seen him play? It's worth remembering, although David means so much to us, it is only the over-30s amongst us that would have had the privilege to see him in an Arsenal shirt. Yet he remains a beloved icon and legend of our club to every supporter. But here was a player we all would have wanted to be. If we had been born great enough to step on that hallowed turf, we would have all liked to have been like Rocky. He loved our club, played with his heart on his sleeve. He worked as we would have worked, yet with a class and dignity to match. And his ability was second to none. Rocky had a silky, majestic quality on the ball that had rarely been witnessed at Avenel Road before. To top it all, his talent on the pitch was matched by his kindness of it. I often think back to being that little boy walking into the treatment room at Highbury to interview him for my school magazine. It's kind of crazy that it ever happened. Struggling on the treatment table... Out of the team, with the knee injury that kept him on the sidelines for so long, he made time for this nine-year-old kid to interview him for Northwest London Jewish Day Schools magazine. I always remember him making me promise I wasn't working for the sun undercover. As a young nervous kid, I thought he was serious. As an adult, I now appreciate the kindness of making me feel at ease, whilst inside my head was exploding. He was my idol, a superhero in a red shirt. And there he was, answering my questions with patience and kindness, as I probably asked what his favourite colour was or what would he have been if not a footballer. David Rocastle was more than a player. He represented what was great about our football club, what some of us fell in love with. As time moves on, We will continue to see so much change around us. New stadium, new players, new manager, new owners, new crest, new competitions. But he will always remain as he was. He is our constant, beloved and respected, an icon never forgotten. Ben Winston, 2021.
3: Ian Wright David 20 years bro In a way I've been dreading the build up to it You're always on my mind But I try not to think of that specific day You know what I mean? Everyone knows how close we were Both Broccoli boys You were up in Turnham I was just down the road We would see each other in school Despite you being younger Football meant everything to you man Do you remember when you dragged a bunch of us to this football tournament, literally minutes before it was due to start? We beat everyone. A bunch of us and our mate who played rugby. Everyone had parents and supporters. We just had each other. It was always just us. At 15, you were already operating at a totally different level. You always carried yourself with a level of professionalism we couldn't understand. I remember those times when you would leave Brockley to go all the way to Stoke Newington just to get picked up by Paul Davis so you could go training. On your way, you would stop by the estate and tell me I don't care how you do it, you have to get into the game. I can see the frustration in your face detailing these training sessions with reserves and seeing players you thought were not on my level. I remember the club said you weren't allowed to play on the estate or park anymore. You did anyway, because everyone knew the main rule was not to touch or tackle you. That was the law. We were playing with David Rocastle bro. You were our hero. You had made it, in our eyes. You saw something in me I couldn't even see in myself. It got to a point where I stopped turning up to those sessions because I knew you would be there, hounding me with the same message. If I'm being honest, I was embarrassed. As I've gotten older... I've become someone that young players and parents speak to and ask for advice. It's not something I take lightly. I think about what you would have said to them, what you said to me, the things you told me to improve. As much as the game has changed, it's still the same. We weren't just friends, we were brothers. You would come to watch me play for Palace religiously, and then Arsenal happened. Think about how many times we acted out being in the same team one day, Right to Rowcastle, Rowcastle back to right, two broccoli boys. That night before our first game as teammates, we must have spoken for over five hours. Even in that moment, where I was still doubting myself, you were reassuring me, as always, and telling me how you would make everyone work to get me my goal so I could settle in. I'll never forget that moment when you told me you had been sold to Leeds. Everything froze. I didn't know how to feel, and I still don't like thinking about it. There was no Arsenal without you. I took it personally. I joined because of you. I went into those offices demanding answers. We had come too far. I couldn't stop thinking of that moment against Leicester when I scored my first goal and saw you, Paul Davis, Michael Thomas and Kevin Campbell coming towards me. I still think about our holidays together with our families – The pictures serve as reminders of those precious moments. I'm Uncle Ian now, bro, and just know that I've got them. Without fail, the first call I get on Father's Day is from Mel. You would be so proud of Ryan, Monique, Mel and Janet. They've worked so closely with the club to make sure your legacy lives on. We've had a crazy year. Long story. But I can't wait to hear our fans sing your name home and away. Love you always, my brother.
0: Ian.
2: Teams for Arsenal: Manager Mikel Arteta. Red shirts with white sleeves, white shorts and socks. One, Ben Leno, goalkeeper. Two, Hector Bellerin. Three, Kieran Tierney. Six, Gabriel. Seven, Bukayo Saka. 8. Danis Ceballos 9. Alexandre Lacazette 11. Martin Odegaard 12. William, 13. Alex Runasson, goalkeeper 14. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang 16. Rob Holding 17. Cedric Suarez 18. Thomas Party 19. Nicolas Pepe 21. Callum Chambers Twenty-two Pablo Mori, twenty-three David Lewis, twenty-four Rhys Nelson, twenty-five Mohammed El thirty Eddie Nketiah thirty-two Emil Smith Rowe, thirty-three Matt Ryan goalkeeper, thirty-four Granite Chaka, thirty-five Gabriel Martinelli, thirty-eight Fowlerin Balligan, forty-one Ben Cottrell. 66. Miguel Aziz And in memory of David Rowcastle, For Liverpool, manager Jürgen Klopp Light blue shirts, shorts and socks 1. Alisson, goalkeeper 3. Fabinho 4. Virgil van Dijk 5. Jorginho Wijnaldum 6. Tiago Alcantara 7. James Milner 8. Nabi Keita 9. Roberto Ferminio 10. Sadio Mane 11. Mohamed Salah 12. Joe Gomez 13. Adrienne, goalkeeper 14. Jordan Henderson 15. Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain 17. Curtis Jones 19. Ozan Kabach 20. Diogo Yoto 21. Kostas Timikos 23. Shedan Shakiri, 26. Andrew Robertson. 27. Divoch Origi. 28. Ben Davis. 32. Joel Matip. 46. Reese Williams. 47. Nathaniel Phillips. 58. Ben Woodburn. 62. Kaiman Kelleher, goalkeeper. 66. Trent Alexander-Arnold. 76. Necker-Williams. Match Officials Referee Martin Atkinson Assistant Referees Konstantin Hatsidakis Sean Ellis. Fourth Official Andre Mariner VAR Jonathan Moss Assistant VAR Andy Halliday Today's Other Fixtures Chelsea vs West Bromwich Albion at 12.30pm Leeds United vs Sheffield United at 3pm Leicester City versus Manchester City at 5.30pm. The Arsenal Foundation, helping young people fulfil their potential through education and sport.
1: Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at borough.com slash ACAST. That's borough.com slash ACAST. borough.com slash ACAST.
4: Premier League. Arsenal. In our game, there's always room for passion. There's room for Rivalry. There's room for emotion, but there is no room for racism. If you see it, report it. No room for racism. Kick It Out. Tackling racism and discrimination. Download the Kick It Out app or tell a police officer or steward in the stadium.
3: Arsenal. Ready for Arsenal, this is family. New 2021 third kit, on sale, in-store and online. Invented in the
4: lab, proven on the pitch. Fuel like the Gunners. Gatorade, number one sports drink in the world. The official sports drink of Arsenal Football Club.
2: Premier League, official Premier League app. Manage your fantasy team and receive the latest Premier League updates. Free to download. Download on the App Store, get it on Google Play,
3: available at Amazon.
2: Take your seat. Sky Sports, feel it all.
4: Arsenal, our home. New 2020 to 21 home kit. On sale in store and online. And online, and online, and online, and online.
0: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince.